today as you join us, if you have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn to the book of Romans chapter 7, I believe the Lord will greatly bless your heart as we're going through our sermon series entitled Death of Selfie. I hope that God will encourage you, strengthen you, and equip you for all that he has for you. All right, you ready? The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 7, it deals with the concept of dying to selfie. And uh, I uh, probably preached on this over a year or so ago, but uh, I have a little different insight on it from this sermon series. And Pastor Ken, I just couldn't let this verse go. I mean, when you talk about the death of me, I'm like, I just can't not preach on this verse. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to look at it today. Here's what the Bible says very clearly. Uh, in the book of Romans, chapter 7, if you found your place there, let's read it. Um, the Bible says this, dealing with the death of selfie. It says in verse 9 of chapter 7, Once I was alive and apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life. And would you underline that in your Bible for me? Sprang to life. Now, uh, in the earlier service, I gave this illustration. Some of you may not be able to identify with it, but those of you who will appreciate it, who can. Back in the day, our recreational vehicles did not have electric start. And so, therefore, we would have to jerk a rope uh, to make it crank. And, boy, I remember I, I wasn't hardly big enough to pull that rope. But uh, sometimes when somebody bigger than me would be pulling that rope, they could pull the rope out. And, oh, boy, that was every kid's nightmare. And you would take that cover off of there, and it was a coil in there, and you would meticulously wind that string in there, uh, some of you, I see, I see you bear on your finger the scar of this experience from your smiling. And you would twist it and twist it and twist it and pray that your hand wouldn't slip because it'd just go everywhere. It'd spring out because it was a big spring. Now, for those of you who can't identify that, if you've ever tried to put string back on a weed eater head, you're probably picking up what I'm putting down. Amen? You're twisting that string and you just about get it and it pops out. And so that's what the writer is saying about the law. Here's what he's saying, is that it sprang, that sin sprang to life. Sin sprang to life. Matter of fact, this depiction of it springing goes all the way back to the book of Genesis with the story of Cain and Abel. You remember old Cain and Abel? Before all that happened, God came to Cain and he, he said, sin lies at your door. And it's waiting to spring up on you. The Hebrew word in that passage of scripture is it means to spring forth, coiled up, coiled up, waiting to spring forth. And so the thing about it is when something springs forth, it could normally bring death. But when this sprang forth, I mean, it, it, it says it brought life to our flesh and I died. Now, this does have something to do with the death of self. The commandment that was meant for life ended up bringing death. The very thing that you thought was going to be the life of you ended up being the very death of you. Now just let that marinate for a minute. Because that's a deep thought. Boy, what a discouraging thing to finally arrive and achieve something and think, wow, I have it, and then it just be fool's gold. Amen. Now, as we go farther, a little bit further in this passage of Scripture, verse 11. For sin 
was seizing. That means taking it. I mean coming in and seizing it away. Seizing an opportunity through the commandment. And it deceived me. Woo, deceived me. Have you ever been deceived? Not only by friends, the world, but what about by church? And it goes on and says, And through it, it killed me. So then the law is holy and the commandment is holy and it's just and it's good. Therefore, did what is good because of my death. Absolutely not. On the contrary, sin in order to be recognized as sin was producing death in me through what is good so that through the commandment, sin might become exceedingly sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual. But I am made out of the flesh. Now let's stop right there. What is the principle that he's speaking of? Well, I wanted to look up that definition of principle. You know, I'm going to have a thing about definition. So I looked it up, and here's a couple of thoughts about what it means to have a principle. It's an accepted process. Didn't mean it was the declared one, but it was an accepted process. A primary law. Primary, elementary law, a fundamental doctrine, a fundamental, the elementary thing that is uncompromisable. It's a fundamental doctrine, a guiding sense of requirements, the principle. So therefore, what is the principle in these verses about the law, which would be known as religion? What is the principle of religion? What is the guiding process? What is the fundamental law? What is the thought that is happening here in these verses that is trying to connect with us the thought is this it's the principle the principle of religion now the thing about religion is this <clears throat> most religion says if you can check all these boxes and you can belong amen if you go through all this and you check all these boxes and you can belong I mean, matter of fact, it's a different set of boxes even in evangelical circles. Evangelicals have different boxes that they expect you to, to check if you want to be part of their faith, their religion. Some, some say, I mean, I, I know evangelical circles that will say, you may have already been born again, already been baptized, but if you weren't baptized in the way that their circle says you, they think you have to be baptized, then you have to do it all over again. See, you're picking up what I'm putting down. Now, now, that's just in the religious circle. Now, every religion has a checklist. Every one. I mean, the Catholics have one checklist. The Baptists have one. The Pentecostals. The Buddhists have a checklist. The Muslims have a checklist. Every religion. The Scientologists, they have a checklist. The atheists have a checklist. They all have a checklist. And it's a lot of boxes that you have to check to belong and have life in their process, according to their principle. According to their fundamental primary doctrine, there's a lot of boxes that you have to check. And if you check those boxes and you do what they say, then you can belong. You can be part of what they're part of. Well, let me tell you what Paul said. You remember a couple of weeks ago we looked at this and Paul said, Hey guys, if you want to check some boxes, I'll put my box checking skills up against anybody's box checking skills and I will raise your box checking ability because my box checking is greater than your box checking. 
I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Of religion, I was a religion. Of uh, Listen, of preeminence in religion, I had it. Of preeminence in social status, I had it. In preeminence in wealth, I had it. In preeminence in education, I had it. But let me tell you what. I found out that all of the world had to offer. All of the things the world had left me wanting and lacking. And empty and dry. Paul understood religion. Here's what he's saying to the church at Rome. He's saying, guys, don't get hung up on checking the boxes of the Old Testament because the Old Testament was only the forerunner for the New Testament. It was only laying out the law. And Paul said, I checked all the boxes, yet I still wasn't enough. And so man says you've got all these boxes to check and if you can check these boxes you belong. Jesus comes on the scenes and I don't want to get ahead of myself but let me just drive by and touch this for one moment. He comes by and says if you'll just check this box. Any man that wants to come after me let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care what his heritage is. I don't care what his bank account's like. I don't care whether he's got a lot or he has nothing. I don't care whether he's a Jew a Gentile, a Greek, a Samaritan it doesn't matter all the ones from A to Z if you'll just take up your cross and follow me just check that box Paul doesn't that seem simple the fastest growing religion today says you got to go out and kill people to belong Christianity says I don't want you to kill for me I already died for you Yet it's so hard to receive. The principle of religion, Paul said, it went what was supposed to bring life ended up bringing death. Now, stay with me because I want to make this declaration so that we're theologically accurate here. You ready? Here's what he was saying. Is that Jesus Christ didn't come to do away with the law. No, sir, no, ma'am. He came to fulfill it. Matter of fact, all of the book of Leviticus, everything in the Levitical law, and my goodness, can you say amen that we aren't trying to fulfill all of that today? What man could not do on his best day of being a believer, Jesus Christ did for us that the righteous requirement of the law may not be done away with, but it may be fulfilled in Jesus Christ let me put that on elementary terms for you here here's what God was saying I'm not dumbing you down I'm not lowering the standard in other words the law is the law I'm not doing away with the law but what I am doing is that you couldn't live up to the law therefore what you could not live up to I'm going to do it through my son Jesus and let me move on before I get ahead of myself the pathway, the process, the principle, the principle of religion was so skewed. I mean, religion gets you high and leaves you low. Jesus gets you low, as low as you can be, and brings you high. Where man gets off, God gets on. Where man washes his hands and says, you're going to be the death of me. You're going to be the death of this family. You're going to destroy this family. I don't want anything to do with you. There's nothing good in you. Nothing good in you dwells. They wash their hands. They turn around and walk away from you. My friends, that's where Jesus Christ, the King of kings, gets on board at. When you get as low as you can go and you're hung out at wit's end corner with no way out and you're going in circles, Jesus Christ comes in and says, I still love you. Woo, mercy, let me move on. 
All right, the principle of religion. The principle of failure. Everybody, nobody wants to fail. I mean, there's people that believe they're natural-born failures. And they have adopted a failing mentality. Because they think that's all they can ever do, because that's all they'll ever be. Because they believe what man says about them. But let me, let me show you what it says in this scripture about failure. Here's what it's saying here very clearly. Go a little bit further with me in verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am made out of the flesh, sold into sin's power. For I do not understand what I am doing. Now stay with me. Let's get this one. Get your Bible out, your smartphone, something. Highlight this verse. For I do not understand what I'm doing because I don't practice what I really want to do. But I do what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now that I am no longer the one doing it, but it's sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh for the desire to do what is good with me. But there is no ability to do it. Underline that. I have no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I end up practicing the evil that I don't want to do. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin that lives in me. Stop right there. Say, preacher, that's some confusing stuff. What in the world are you saying? Let me summarize that for you. Have you ever had a desire to do something and you just, as much as you wanted to do it, you couldn't do it? I can't tell you how many people. How many people I know. I mean, they're like, Pastor, I, man, I, I don't want to run around. I just, it just comes natural. I can't stop it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be that person, but I just keep doing it. I, Pastor, you don't know how bad I want to quit this drug, but I, I just can't do it. Pastor, you don't know how bad I want to grow in my faith in Christ. I want to read the Word. I want to study the Word. Pastor, you don't know how bad I want to be a witness for Christ, but I just can't do it. I wake up and say, boy, I'm going to love the Lord. I'm going to grow in the faith. I'm going to do this Bible study, and I'll do it for two days, and then I'm off somewhere else. Pastor, I, I'm so tired of I'm so tired of being manipulative. Pastor, I don't want to be manipulative anymore. I, I'm tired of telling lies. Pastor, I'm tired of being self-absorbed. I don't want to be self-absorbed in the world that we live in that is self-absorbed. That's why we're talking about the death of selfie. Matter of fact, I was thinking about this sermon series and I realized that just the other day that a new sitcom has come out on ABC. You know what the name of it is? Selfie. Selfie, about being self-absorbed, self, all about you, all about you, all about you, all about you. And the thing about it is that many people say, I don't want to be like that, but I just can't help but be like that. Now, am I the only ever one ever felt like that? Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Thank you, sister. 
And so as we're here, we struggle with it. And we're like, God, help me. God, I want to break free from it. God, I don't want to be deceptive. God, I don't want to be a little deceiver. God, I don't want to be like this. God, I want to follow you. But God, I just feel like such a failure. And Paul said, what religion has done for me has made me feel like a failure. It's made me feel like a failure, 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 and it's never fulfilled me. Because what religion couldn't do, Christ did. And if all you'll ever have is religion, then you will feel like a failure. I mean, have you ever heard this statement? Well, have you ever heard somebody make this statement? I used to go to church. I used to go to church. I used to belong to church. I used to do this. I used to do You know why everybody speaks in past tense regarding Christianity for the most part? Because all they ever did was go to church. Amen. That's all they ever did. And all they ever had was religion. And they took religion and they never had a relationship. They understood all the questions about God. They understood all the things about God intellectually. But they did not know it spiritually. Most people miss it. Heaven by 18 inches. The distance from their head to their heart. They have a head knowledge but no heart knowledge. And therefore, when we're trying to connect these dots, if all you ever have is religion, you will feel like a failure. But you don't have to be a failure because what we could not do, Christ did for us. And he wants us to have a relationship, the principle of a relationship, not the principle of religion. Yet so many people only have religion. Therefore, they feel like a failure. Religion's a lot like cotton candy. Boy, it's sweet. You put it in your mouth, and you don't even have to chew it, and it disappears. Just put it in your mouth, it just dissolves. It's time to substitute cotton candy religion for a holy relationship with Jesus Christ. Most people's religion is like merry-go-rounds. You get on, you go around, around, around. Sometimes you can go faster, 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 depending on who's pushing the merry-go-round, but you never go anywhere. And when you get off, you're just a little dazed. God does not want you to, your life with him to be circular, but he wants it to be linear, that where you can say, here's where I got on, here's where I'm going, here's where God's taking me. No longer about the principle of failure. How could we illustrate the principle of failure? When we know the right way, but we're unwilling to follow it. I think the greatest way to probably illustrate that that you can probably identify with today is the football game last night. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, when we give this invitation, I expect there to be a lot of people down here because if you watch that game, you're going to need to pray up. At one point in the game, somebody texted me and said, Preacher, quit watching and go work on your sermon. I'm going to need it. <clears throat> the most frustrating thing about the game last night was that when you can become so absorbed with yourself that you're unwilling to go another direction, that's when you begin to move in the pathway of failure. And Christ said, I've done this far, you want you accepted. But yet it's too easy, so we want to go a whole other pathway. You know, the thing about that game last night that was so frustrating, I wasn't frustrated. I mean, granted, it's bad losing to a team from Mississippi, but... I mean, it's the thing that was so frustrating about that game last night was it wasn't that we couldn't win. It was that the answer was on the bench. But the person in charge was 
too overcome with self that he was willing to make an adjustment in course. And so therefore, I probably quit that game about three times, but I was enduring to the end because I really wanted to see, would he give the other kid a chance? And after three quarters of only being able to make one score by his part on accident, basically, within three minutes, the other kid scored twice. Almost three times. And the answer was on the bench. Now, I know I'm not the only hot-blooded LSU fan in here that felt that frustration tonight. Saying the answer was right there. The answer was right there. Why, why not try something different? Why be so absorbed with self that you're unwilling to make a course adjustment and say, you know what, this ain't working. Let's do something else. Now, I know you where I'm at. You're picking up what I'm putting down. But now, now I want you to raise your feet up off the floor because when you go out, I don't want you to say, preacher, you stepped on my toes because I'm aiming for your heart. Now, we want to get frustrated. I want to be frustrated over that because he was unwilling to make a course adjustment and allow a substitute to come in and do for the starter what the starter couldn't do for himself. Oh, yes, you know where I'm headed. Somebody say amen, preacher. And so what happens is we trying to fulfill this role of religion and we are unwilling to make a compromise to allow Jesus Christ to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Now, I'm not making this up. Let me read it for you. Look at what the Bible says right here. So I have discovered the principle... The fundamental law, the guiding process of life. Look at it right here in verse 21. When I want to do what is good and evil is within me. For in my inner self, I joyfully agree with God. My body waging war against the law. My mind and taking me prisoner. Have you ever felt like you were prisoner? Have you ever felt like there was a war raging with inside yourself? What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Look at verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at chapter 8 and verse 1. Therefore, because of Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation. Say it with me. No condemnation. Say it like you believe it. No condemnation now exists for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because of the Spirit's law of Christ Jesus has set you free. Now look at verse 3. What the law could not do, since it was limited by the flesh, God did. When he condemned sin in flesh by sending his own son in the flesh like ours, like ours, under sin's dominion just like us, as a sin offering, in order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, skip with me to verse 6. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God, because it, it does not submit itself to God's law. For it is unable to do so. Those whose lives are in the flesh are unable to please God in their flesh. I'm not making this up. Stay with me right here. Verse 9. I mean, look at this. You, however, are not of the flesh, but you are of the Spirit. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, in Christ is in you. The body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, what was your problem? 
If Christ lives in you, then all is sufficient. Now here's the problem. Paul realized that what he wanted to do, have a relationship with God, he was not able to have a relationship with God because he was trying to have his relationship with God through religion. Stay with me, I'm going to sum all this up real quick. He was trying to have a relationship with God through religion. Religion was not the pathway. Religion was not the sacrifice. It wasn't your denomination that went to the cross for you. It was not your church that went to the cross for you. It was not your baptistry that went to the cross for you. It was not your certificate of, of of christening that went to the cross for you it was Jesus Christ but what the law could not do God did through Jesus Christ that when sin was running rampant like over a freight train over us when sin was defeating us God realized that he couldn't dumb down the requirement therefore what man could not do God did by sending his son Jesus now, I don't know what happened. I don't, I mean, I watched that kid last night. I told my wife several times, look, just take him out. I mean, he's got that same look that that quarterback had a couple of years ago. He, I mean, he was just like, coach, I, I don't know what to do. It was like, I mean, he, he was just, you could just see defeat in his eyes. Now, I don't know whether he was really hurt or he just wanted to get out of the game, but whatever. But at some point, they tapped over there and told this other quarterback, can you come in the game and do for this guy what he's not been able to do? And we know how that game ended. And three minutes, I mean, you were like, where's that been? All the, I text Michael. I said, you need to thank Les Miles. I mean, he gave this game up because the answer was on the bench the whole time. Oh, you know something, my friends, today, the greatest tragedy in all the world is that the answer is on the bench. You are wading through the muck of the world trying to be victorious through religion, through relationships with churches and denominations. And I'm not anti-church. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But what I want you to know is that this church can only point you to Jesus. It can only point you to heaven. We can only tell you that we know a man who could do what we couldn't do for ourselves. Oh, today my friends if you're at wit's end corner and you don't know what to do tap out to Jesus Christ the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords say Lord nothing in my hand I bring simply to your cross I cling give up to God that you may go up with him oh today God has a plan will you allow him to fulfill it the principle the principle of religion the principle of failure the principle of victory. Nobody likes substitutes. But sometimes you need one. I remember one time. One time I was at court. And I was listening to a bunch of stuff. And I kept telling the attorney. Why don't you say something? Why don't you say something? And she kept saying, it's, it's, it's not our turn yet. It's not our turn yet. And he'd go to the bell and I said, why don't you say something? Why don't you say something? It's not our turn yet. And when it was our turn, the attorney said something. And the judge said, that's enough. It is finished. Let's put an end to this. After all the slander, all that, it is finished. As we've gone through this sermon today, man, the Lord has spoken to your heart. Man, just 
find somebody to help you in the process of faith. And family of grace, it would be our greatest joy and honor to be able to be a partner with you in that. But if not us, somebody, so that you can achieve all that God has in store for you today.